1170 WDOI AM 93.1 FM. Happy to be with you on your Friday. You're over the hump. It's all downhill from here. In a good way. Coasting into your weekend. I don't mean downhill as in your life's going to fall apart. Quit while you're ahead, Rob. Quit while you're ahead. Yeah. You know, I just realized I still owe you new bump tracks for the show. We haven't we haven't updated our bumps in a while. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Well, maybe if uh, maybe the listeners have some suggestions today. What what music would you like to hear on our bumps? Um, I've got I've got some pretty eclectic music tastes. I think is the current bumps probably illustrate. I'm a little weird. I like everything. If you're listen, if if my Spotify is just playing on jukebox mode, um. You know, you're going to hear everything from, like, Hank Williams to, like, Yo-Yo Ma playing Bach to, you know, the Ramones to, like, Bruce Springsteen. So I'm I'm all over the map. But if you got suggestions for songs you think would make for a good bump, uh, call in 701-293-9000, email talk at wday.com, uh, or you can tweet them at me, at Rob Port. Uh, we have a Public Service Commissioner Randy Christman on the program today. Uh, he was elected to the Public Service Commission in 2012. He's running for re-election again in 2018. We'll have him on talk about what he's accomplished in his six years on the PSC uh, and what he thinks uh, he could do going forward as well. Uh, we'll also have the rundown coming up at 1.30. Um, right now, I, I've got a question for you, and I think it's kind of interesting. I was actually reading an article in The Economist, and, and the tone of, of The Economist, it was it was kind of funny. Um because it was, I mean, but before, or I, I can't remember when, when the economists came out and said this, but they essentially said that Trump was going to screw up America's economy. I mean, that, that was that was their editorial position on the Trump administration after he was elected and or shortly after he was inaugurated into office. Um, now they've come out with an article and, and they're kind of saying, well, like, like it's, it's kind of them having to admit that the economy actually is doing pretty well under Donald Trump, but they're couching it. From the perspective of, well, he hasn't screwed things up, and I'm not, I'm not so sure it's fair to say that. Uh, I do like that that Trump hasn't been uh, as aggressive as, as maybe in some of his campaign trail promises would have suggested in terms of attacking some of the free trade agreements we have. I think free trade is very beneficial to the United States. I, I think what we're starting to see, though, is that a lot of his aggressive posturing on those issues was about bringing the countries we have those trade agreements with to the table so they could be renegotiated. And, and if, if that's what we get out of it, if we renegotiate those trade agreements uh, and we get them to where they're, they're maybe uh, simpler, uh, you know, a, a little more focused on free trade and a little less focused on, you know, some of the politics of protectionism that those sorts of things can be littered with, uh, then I think that's to the good for us. Also, I think a lot of the things that, that President Trump has been doing in terms of deregulation have been good for the economy. I think under President Obama and Democratic leadership in Congress, we saw a move towards, uh, you know, really sort of politicizing the regulatory environment, using regulatory processes that were set up to facilitate the development of, say, pipelines, uh, oil drilling, things like that using that regulatory process, which was intended to allow those things to happen, but to, to ensure that, that they happen in a safe and responsible way, instead perverting those processes and using them to obstruct that infrastructure, to obstruct that industry and commerce. 
President Trump's begun to cut through a lot of that, taking a different approach. I think we're starting to see the benefits of that ripple across the economy. And then, of course, there's the tax reform, which FedEx today announced, you know, that they're joining the long list of companies uh, that are doing things. They're going to move up uh, the the timeline for pay increases for their employees. Uh, They're going to invest in more operations here in the United States. They're putting money into their pension plan. And and so I I think the economist is kind of saying, well, Trump didn't screw things up. I'm not so sure that's fair. I, I think President Trump probably should get a lot of credit, but maybe not all the credit, maybe not 100% of the credit, but a lot of credit for the state of the U.S. economy. And I wanted to ask you what you thought about that. What do you think? 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, what do you think, whether or not, uh, how much credit do you think President Donald Trump deserves when it comes to the economy. Once again, 701 email talk at WDAY.com. Natil, what do you think? How much credit does Trump get? Some, that's for sure. Um, I think that there's there's definitely been some things that he's done that has helped boost the economy, and you, you can't deny that, especially um, when there's been such a direct correlation between things like the the tax reform that he wanted to get through and then specific large companies giving bonuses to employees actively saying that the reason they did that was because of the tax reform. So there there are definitely some economic boons that I think Trump gets direct credit for. I don't know if you can take credit for all. I don't think one person can take credit for all of it. No. But well, I think that he definitely deserves some credit. Yeah. The our national economy doesn't have one variable, right? The president, right, the, 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 the person who is heading up the executive branch of our federal government is not the only variable in our economy. Our economy has a lot of variables, everything from the weather and its impact on agriculture and, and, and even, like, energy infrastructure, like natural disasters can impact that. Uh, the global economy can, can impact that. I mean, a drought in another part of the world can be beneficial for us in, in terms of agriculture here. A war in another part of the world can be beneficial for our energy here. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff like that going on. I mean, there's a lot of variables. And I, I do think sometimes we get myopic about this, where we're going about and, and we're giving credit to the person who just happens to be in power. Now, a lot of times policies that are put in place take a long time to mature and to have an economic impact. All of that being said, I think it's pretty clear that President Trump is doing a lot of things that are making people, making the, the people who drive the American economy feel pretty positive. I think the energy industry is feeling pretty positive right now. Uh, I think I think the business world, Wall Street, I think everybody's feeling pretty strong, pretty optimistic about the economy because of a lot of things Trump's done, and I do think he deserves credit for that. What do you think? 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Let's hit the calls. Thomas, you're up first. Oh, hey, thank you. Um, yeah, I believe President Trump deserves, if not 100%, um, 99, at the least, percent for all the effort he put in, all the enthusiasm he brought to it, all the determination, tenacity, and I believe millions, tens of millions, if not many more than that even, of Americans believe the same thing. It's just media that, that scuffles it out or, or uh, you know, mutes it. 
Yeah. By just by just not projecting it. I think their, uh, well yeah, yeah and, and the public perception of the economy can be a funny thing. And it is driven a lot by the media. I, I think sometimes, you know, I, I remember under George W. Bush, you know, we had like five and a half percent unemployment and and you know the, the the press was carrying on about what a what a terrible economy it was. Under President Obama, you know, we're at six and a half percent uh and you know, they're all singing Hosannas, you know, we're we're saved. So I, I think the, the how the press perceives things uh, you know, is is it can create a distorting lens for for how people view the economy. So it can be a tricky thing. But generally, I, I just don't know. I mean, President Trump's message is America is open for business. We're cutting down regulations. We're 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 fixing the tax code so that it's less burdensome, easier to comply with. Uh, you know, I still think there's a lot of work to be done. But this is a president who's saying, "Let's get to work." I don't think we've had that in a while. I, frankly, I don't think we had it. Even under George W. Bush, I really right, don't. Right. I agree. Um, All right. Well, the, the thing with President Trump and, and the current climate and that we live in, there's a certain fear factor that people are afraid to just jump out and say, "Hey, it's President Trump. He's doing what he said." You can't. It's almost in, it, it's it's incredible what has the change from last year to this year. It is phenomenally yeah. incredible, and. Uh, that people are kind of shocked but pleasantly shocked and um, old school americans people that have lived here been here generational americans this is absolute uh, joyful joyous i and, i can tell you just just yesterday just just to, to bring this home here in north dakota yesterday uh, earlier this week north dakota lawmakers got a report from legislative council about uh the, the progress on oil and gas tax revenue in our state and we are in January. Uh, I think they were something like twenty percent above, or maybe even more above, the forecast that they used to budget for this biennium. To the biennium to date, they're up ten percent. Now I think a big factor in that is the Dakota Access Pipeline, because yes. the, I mean that that made our our oil industry in our state a lot more resilient yes. to some of these lower prices uh, than than it would have been otherwise. Now, does that pipeline get built if Donald Trump's not elected president? I'm not so no, sure it, it does. Slow down for sure. So, and, so you want to you want to talk about you want to talk about a positive economic impact? There's a big one right there, and it's just a very small part of what President Trump has done. Thomas, I got to keep moving. Any suggestions for bump music you want to hear on the show? Oh, did we lose Thomas? All right, we lost Thomas. Let's keep moving. Caller, Dean, you're up. Hello, Dean. You there? I'm here. I was just going to call in about the bumper music. Um, yeah, there's a, someone quoted once that Hank Williams is more punk than the Sex Pistols, and that's kind of an interesting quote. I'm, and I'm into um, it. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You can't get much more real than that, dude. And but uh, yeah, for bumper music, I heard you play Rancid before, so definitely uh, I'd like to hear a little Rancid or Ramones or Clash or something. Sure. Rancid, Ramones, Clash. I got him down, Dean. A little rancid, even. All right, I, I got him down, Dean. Thanks for the thanks for the suggestion. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday.com. We're taking your suggestions for bump music, and we're also talking how much credit does President Donald Trump deserve for the state of the national economy right now? Stock markets strong. 
I feel like the job markets are strong. I feel like we're getting a lot of positive news from the business world. How much credit does President Trump deserve? 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rap Fort 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDY.com. Question is, how much credit does President Donald Trump deserve for the current state of the national economy? Also, we're taking suggestions for bump music. We're going to change up the bump music on the show. So if you got suggestions. Uh, Dean had uh, Rancid, Ramones, The Clash. I like it, Natil. I'm, I'm on board it. with The Clash. I mean, we've got, I think there's one Ramones song in the rotation and one Rancid song that I just played in the rotation already. But I don't think we yeah. have any Clash in there. I don't know. We don't have any Clash. Um, we could fix that. We have the. I think we have uh, I Want to Be Sedated by the Ramones. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's a good song. Uh, all right, yeah, more suggestions, 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com, or heck, send me tweets at Rob Port. Um, as far as the economy thing, now, I do think it's fair to say that sometimes politicians can get credit for things that are merely circumstantial. Uh, in a lot of ways, that happened here in North Dakota, right? During the oil boom, you know, we had a lot of politicians strutting around the state taking credit. For, you know, billion-dollar surpluses. And, you know, a lot you remember that, until A lot of the Republicans are talking about the North Dakota way. Rick Berg talked about it all the time. we got to take the North Dakota way to Washington. <laughs> we got to take the North Dakota way to Washington. Which apparently, unless they're going to strike oil under the Washington Monument, right? Maybe horizontal drill under the Washington Monument from, like, Maryland or something. Um, you know, you're not going to take the North Dakota way to Washington. That was essentially the North Dakota way. Uh, figure out how to tap into lots and lots of oil when oil prices are at $100 a barrel. That was the North Dakota way. Uh, and then spend all the money. <laughs> that's, that, that was the North Dakota way. And we found out uh, during these last couple of budget cycles, maybe not the best way of doing business. Uh, but at the national level, um, you know, I don't think it's merely circumstantial that we're seeing a strong economy under President Trump. I think a lot of it has to do with the policies he's implementing simplifying regulations do, do uh, you know clearing out regulations simplifying and lowering taxes uh, these things pay dividends republicans talk about this i mean a, a, a lot of ways this is this is foundational to the republican economic message i think trump's implementing it and i think it's working what do you think 701-293-9000-888-970-9329 bob you're up Yes, say I'm in the construction industry and the transportation industry. So right. I really pay a lot of attention to what's going on around the United sure. States with loads, because sure. um, especially the flatbed business, um, you'll really see when the economy takes a big boost when when it, when the flatbed loads picked up. I've been in that I've been in that business since 1978, and this is this year has been the biggest year that we've seen in transportation in a long, long time. For instance, North Dakota, right now out of Fargo, there's 600 available loads. Normally this time of the year would probably be 100. 
Chicago, there's 5,000 available loads. Normally this time of the year, there'd probably be about 1,200. So uh, they, so the loads are rolling. That means the economy is really going to be picking up. And this is, this is the winter. You know, the flatbed loads sure. are usually busy in the summer and spring. So we're going to really see that, see the flatbed loads. But I've got, a, I've got a question for you, Rob. Do you think um, Trump is racist? Do I think Trump is racist? Yeah. No, I I don't think he's racist. Um, I I, okay. I think the, the 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 one the one area where Trump I think drives me nuts a little bit is I think he's a little bit too willing um, to flirt with people who I think are racist. I I think there are some some white nationalists, um, some 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 of those types of people in his Make America Great Again coalition. Uh, and I, I think he should do more to to disavow them. I, I think he could do more. Um, that that part frustrates me. Uh, he himself, I don't think he's racist. I, I don't think he could operate in the business circles and the social circles and the political circles that he's operated in for for, for all of his adult life if he were if he were truly racist. I don't think he's racist either, and I haven't heard one thing that would even lean towards him being racist. Um, you know, some of the stuff that people are saying there, I mean, they're making a mountain out of a molehill. This morning I was listening to, to this channel this morning, and there was, I think Jim Shaw was on there talking to somebody else. And Jim Shaw, they were talking about him being racist, and, and Jim Shaw asked the other guy, well, do you think he's racist? And it's like the other guy was afraid to say no, and he, all of a sudden he piped up, well, well, yeah, I think he's racist. But, you know, that's the problem, that it, it's fake news, you know, and I almost erased KFGO off my memory, off my phone today, just because of that, because I'm so sick of hearing all this fake bull that it just drives me nuts. I mean, yeah, it is. It is not frustrating. Doing any good at all? By, I don't. By, well, I, I think especially. I mean, in, in my mind, I mean, I'm. I am not a. I am not a Trump apologist. I have been critical of him. I didn't vote for him. Um, now, my approach to Trump is, I'm going to praise him when I think he's doing the right things. And I'm going to be critical of him when I think he does the wrong things. And I think the mistake the left is making is I, I think there are plenty of areas for legitimate criticism of President Trump. I, I think he does plenty of things that you could legitimately say, you know what, Mr. President, that's not right. His, his use of Twitter, first and foremost, I, I think I think across, the, I don't even think that's a partisan issue. Republicans, Democrats, libertarians, I think a lot of people wish President Trump would quit behaving the way he does on social media. Um that said, I, I think the left goes so over the top. They hate this guy so much that a lot of, of what might be valid criticism of him gets neutralized because they are so patently unfair to him. And I, I think the endless cries of racism, um, I, I, I think, are part of that. Bob, thanks for the call. Love Interesting you. stuff about the loads. Certainly appreciate your call, Bob. 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Public Service Commissioner Randy Chrisman coming up next. If you got comments or questions for him, certainly call in, email him, and we'll be right back after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report, 970 WDY, AM 93.1 FM. On Twitter, Brad's got a suggestion for bumper music. He uh, said, 
Is it Midas? Midas? In my eyes? Do you know this group? I I would assume it would be Midas because I would assume it would be like the Midas touch. No, it's M-I-T-I-S. Oh, then I have no idea. No, I've never heard of them. Never heard of them. Um, I, I listened. He gave me a YouTube link to the song. Uh, let me let me give you a hint when it comes to bump music. Remember, we're playing like the first fifteen to thirty seconds of the music, so uh, it's it's got to be it's got to be catchy from there. If it's like slow instrumental stuff, probably not a good fit. But thanks for the suggestion. Keep them coming in. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday. Dot com. My guest now, Public Service Commissioner Randy Crispin. Randy, you got any suggestions? We're, we need more. We need fresh bumper music on the show. What's on your playlist? What are you listening to? When it comes to music, Rob, I'm the wrong guy to ask. Uh, you don't like I, music? I like polkas and waltzes. Pol- polkas? <laughs> I feel like we could have a little polka on the show. Yeah, let's liven it up, man. What's your favorite polka? Oh, I don't know. They, they all They all are good for dancing. Uh, have you watched? Do you have? Do you have Netflix? Uh, we do. I I don't watch much TV, so no, you don't, I watch, don't watch much. It. Well, okay, but if you're into polka, you got to watch the documentary about the polka king. Have you heard about this guy in Pennsylvania? He was a no. polka guy, and he ran a pyramid scheme, getting people to invest in his polka band. It's 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 a it's a colorful. You'll like it. I trust me. I know you don't. Like, if you don't watch a lot of TV, you would like this. You would like this. All right. Oh. I'll tell uh, that my is wife not what to you get came it on our list. There you go. There you go. Uh, all right. Well, this is not what you came on the program to talk about. You were elected to the Public Service Commission in 2012. Uh, you now, six years later, want another six years uh, on the commission. Tell voters why they should vote for you. You know, I, I think that we have, in this past five years, um, accomplished my mission. And my mission was this. I said uh, six years ago when when a lot of people were frightened because we knew that two of the three commissioners were leaving that year and there were people that were worried that the Public Service Commission would become another EPA if the Democrats got control. Well, I said then, elect me. I'll make sure that the Public Service Commission is, in fact, serving the public. And when you look at at, uh, the things that we do that that draw the publicity, because there's a lot of things that don't get much attention there but are just as important, but the things that people talk about a lot are, our regulation of the monopoly utilities. You know, we have some of the best reliability rates and lowest residential rates uh, with with uh, gas and electricity in the nation. Our mine le- reclamation program for, in North Dakota is the best state-run mine program in the state. Our other safety programs are well-run. And the, the thing that probably has drawn the most attention for the PSC in the five years that I've been there is the, the other energy infrastructure Siting that we do, we have cited eight and a half billion dollars worth of projects in those last five years. That's an average of almost 150 million dollars a month. That is growing our economy, enhancing the country's uh, energy independence, and and I want to continue that for another term. And the by the way, I want to add, term. we're oh, doing sorry, it responsibly so that that the landowners' rights and wishes are also taken into consideration here. What's the biggest challenge of your first term? Uh, the biggest challenge, I would say, was, A, learning all the acronyms and, and, and tendencies and, uh, and that sort of thing. And secondly, just getting used to the fact that this is not a legislative process, which is the background I came from and was used to. 
This is kind of a quasi-judicial thing. I can't discuss open cases. I'm used to being totally transparent and talking about whatever I want to talk about. Here we can't, just like a judge can't talk about the case that's before him or her. Um, getting used to, to that kind of a background where we have to do everything in an open hearing where both sides are, are present or at least have the uh, option to be, uh, that's been quite a change for me. The the, the Democrats have, have they have tried, they have struggled to recruit candidates for statewide office. But one race that they usually and, and obviously in recent years because of you know, we've had some vacancies and some appointments, so it's it's been a little unusual that we sometimes, you know, in the last couple cycles have had more, and certainly this cycle as well, have more than one PSC uh, seat on the ballot at a time. Uh, this year, uh, your your colleague Brian Crocious will have to be elected because he was appointed to that seat. That's got to be confirmed by the voters. Um, but the Democrats usually do target the PSC, and I think that's because the PSC does wield a lot of regulatory authority in the state. Uh, not just on energy infrastructure, which probably gets a lion's share of the of the headlines, but also you know regulating the the utility monopolies and things like that. I I tend to feel like the North Dakota philosophy on regulation, something that is very much grounded in our agrarian roots, which is that you know most people in North Dakota have agriculture somewhere in their family tree, uh, if they're not currently employed by it. Um, I, I I think it's very much grounded in the idea that we want to do stuff we want to protect the lands we want to be good stewards of the land and the environment but we also want to do stuff and the regulatory process that we develop and that we deploy is aimed towards doing stuff we're going to make sure that we do stuff but that we do it the right way is that i mean am i crazy and feel because i feel like in a lot of places the regulatory process has become an excuse to obstruct uh an excuse to, to sort of implement uh you know political agendas I think here in, in North Dakota, it's still very much about this exists. Uh, we're going to make rules, and we're going we're gonna to make sure those rules are followed. But at the end of the day, our goal is to do stuff, whether it's build a pipeline, whether it's it's what build a refinery, whatever. Our goal is to do stuff. I, am, am I right? I mean, is that for your, your philosophy? I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head with that, Rob. And I'll, I'll give you a good example from just the, the very recent days. Uh, most people are aware that, that natural gas, uh, flaring is, is a problem in the state, and, and we need infrastructure built to avoid it. There's a company that wants to uh, build a large uh, gas processing plant near um, Watford City. They came in, and, and w- when we have these hearings, in order to protect the landowners, the environment, cultural resources in the area, it's a long process. It's not our, as the commissioners, the schedule that's the problem. It's the fact that it involves law firms, it involves uh, engineering companies, environmental companies, and administrative law judge. You get all these people together for a hearing. It's, it's complicated to find a date. They came in. that They want to start construction this spring. They still need our approval. They, the dates that were available to us were one in the middle of February, and then the rest were all in late March. We had a conference schedule then. Um, the commissioners dropped the conference, uh, basically moved about everything but heaven and earth in order to get everything cleared from our schedule and get that February 15th state. I don't presuppose what's going to happen in that hearing, but if it is ultimately approved, it's going to happen five weeks earlier than it would have if we hadn't done that. I think that's an example of, of trying to get things done, if they're being done correctly, that you just don't see from very many agencies, especially those outside of North Dakota. 
701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Talking to incumbent public service commissioner Randy Chrisman, a Republican. If you have comments or questions for him, now's the time to get him in. Uh, you can tweet him at me, too, at Rob Port. Uh, going forward, what's your outlook for if, if you were to get elected to another six-year term, what's at the top of your priority list? Well, two things. We, we need to keep citing responsibly these energy infrastructure things. The, the, the um, Dakota Access Pipeline is a great example of a successful one. If not for that, our oil industry in North Dakota would be pretty much stifled because we wouldn't have another alternative at this level to move that safely and efficiently. So we need to build a lot more of that. So, so we're going to play a very large role in that. Um, a lot of your listeners uh, may know I come from coal country originally. I can still see the oil what used to happen in the old days when they didn't reclaim coal mine lands, but now we do a tremendous job of it. Uh, we started the rulemaking process. I want to see through a, a new program within our agency that, that requires reclamation of wind farms. Uh, someday everything becomes obsolete. I want to make sure that future generations aren't saddled with hundreds of thousands of acres of wind farms that are, that are obsolete and dilapidated, just sitting there as an eyesore and a nuisance. Uh, we need to hold these people accountable and make sure that those ultimately will be reclaimed, just like our coal mine lands. And, and that's one of my big goals. It's going to take a long time. It's, it's taken 40 or 50 years to, to build the coal program into what it is. Uh, this doesn't happen overnight either, but, but we're going to get it done. It's interesting you bring that up because that's something that I thought about. I, isn't there something in, in place already in terms of, of decommissioning and, and, and removing old wind farms i mean what's the process now well technically you know they sign contracts and make agreements in their siting process that they're going to but when you imagine 30 or 40 or 50 years down the road if someone becomes bankrupt or it's spun off into llcs of other llcs um it's gonna be pretty hard to enforce those contracts we need to make sure just like we do with mine lands that there are financial um arrangements made uh, either bonding or some other kind of financial assurances so that we can, in fact, enforce that even if the company becomes bankrupt or, or uh, moves overseas or something like that. So, so, so there are some things in place, but, but they need to be a lot stronger. So, so what are you proposing? I mean, is it something like they have to put in a bond in place or something like that to make sure that, that, that a decommissioning can be paid for even if they go out of, out of business? Really, yeah, and, and then there's all the other rules around it. You, you know, you have to have um, a clear rule or law that defines um, when the, when the, that process would take place. Uh, you know, when is it going to be deemed obsolete? Is it just not being used for a few months, or is it really, in fact, abandoned? And, and you need all those things in order to access those bonds. Uh, we also need a, a lot of clarity on the amount of bonding or other financial assurances if it's like a corporate financial assurance, um, what kind of corporation would we accept that from? Do they have to have a, a grade A rating with Moody's or some other type of rating? A lot of little details involved in that. And, and then I know our coal people, they go to seminars and everything in other states when mines have gone south and, and the bonding had to be accessed. It's not an easy process. Uh, the bonding company will fight it, try and find any little technicality in most cases to, to try and get out of pain. It's a, it is a, an enormously complicated legal process to make sure you have that. 
but we've been successful with it, like I say, in, in coal mine reclamation, and we're going to get it done on wind uh, farms as well. Is there, um, talking about you, earlier, in the, you mentioned um, that, that we had very good reliability, some of the best reliability when it comes to utilities in the country. Uh, there have been some issues, though, uh, particularly in, uh, you know, the area of, of our broadcast area, you know, the, the Fargo area, uh, with, with a lot of blackouts, you know, a lot of, a lot of issues with, with power and that going down. Uh, any, anything you could tell us about that and, and improving on that front? I wouldn't agree with you that there's been a lot, um, but anytime you're experiencing, it seems like a lot. It feels uh, like a lot when got... your power's not working. I mean, I think anytime power, we're, we're so addicted yeah. to electricity and everything today, when the power goes out, yep. uh, it's yeah. it's it's annoying. But com- compared to most places, our reliability statistics are pretty good. That being said, uh, just before I came on the commission, there were concerns, especially in the Fargo area. And the commission at that time required the company to do some things. They added an electrical engineer, added some additional technology, and did a lot of tree trimming. Well, some of the tree trimming has also not been too popular, but, but it's there. And, and it has made a lot of improvements. We recently extended that for another year. We are still working on it and um, c- will continue to uh, – improve that reliability factor as much as we possibly can all right uh randy i think that's about all we got time for certainly appreciate your time today and and as the campaign unfolds looking forward to talking to you more super thanks for having me on rob it's public service commissioner randy crispin i'm rob port 701-293-9000-888-970-9329 email talk at wday.com don't go away we'll be right back and the big country skyline brings an urban lullaby that still rings true. When I passed. Welcome back, Rock Port 970, WDY AM 93.1 FM. Couple minutes left this hour, then it's on to hour two. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, Troy's got some suggestions. He sent me a message on Facebook. Troy's got some suggestions for bumper music. You ready for these, Natil? Are they good ones? Uh, social Distortion. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, flogging Molly. Flogging Molly can be pretty hit or miss with the, the swearing. I, I, don't, I don't really know much about Flogging Molly, I got to tell you. Uh, Descendants and Dropkick Murphys. Dropkick Murphys has the same problem that Flogging yeah. Molly does. Uh, Dropkick M- Murphys is also heavily associated with Boston and the Red Sox, and I'm not having any part of that <laughs> on this show. I'm an easygoing guy, except when it comes to baseball, and then I am a take-no-prisoners Yankees partisan. The Red Sox suck. That's just what I'm going to say. Uh, otherwise, thanks for the suggestions, Troy. Appreciate it. Uh, social distortions. I think we've actually had social distortion in some of the bumps before maybe not this latest set i feel like we've had them before um anyway keep them coming 701-293-9000-888-970-9329 email talk at wday.com let's get to some emails here uh let's see dan emails uh, about trump uh, how much oh there was a question earlier in the show how much credit do you feel uh president trump deserves when it comes to the current state of the economy. Dan emails, it's like predicting uh, the weather, markets, or the Super Bowl, giving credit good or bad, is 100% after it happens. 
Uh, Trump and renewable energy industry is a disaster, just like when Reagan was elected. Uh, they could lose a million jobs. Uh, box stores, malls, brick-and-mortar stores, I don't see Trump fixing much. Job growth has slowed considerably since Trump was elected, and he hasn't moved the needle forward since he was elected. Uh, this is a negative factor since Obama's 75 months of growth. I think it's always interesting when people tout, particularly like hardcore partisan people like Dan, tout the economic growth under President Obama. You realize that that was economic growth from us coming out of a hole at the beginning of his administration. Now, we can have a debate about how much President Obama deserves credit for, for the collapse of the housing market at the beginning of his term. I don't think he gets much blame for that. I, I think that was terrible policy from Republicans and Democrats alike aimed at promoting home ownership, uh, which created in a gigantic bubble in the housing market that popped. Um, you know, I, I think the problem is President Obama... He exacerbated it. I, I think we could have seen recovery. We, the economy was always going to recover. I mean, the American economy wasn't going to stay at that rock-bottom low we hit after the housing market collapsed. It was always going to recover. It would have recovered a lot faster if we hadn't been trying to implement a lot of stupid economic policy like cash for clunkers, trying to stimulate the economy through government spending. I, I mean, that was terrible public policy. And I, I think it exacerbated the situation, and I think the economy grew uh, more slowly under Obama. Now, Obama's apologists give him all sorts of credit uh, because the economy did grow under his term after the collapse. Uh, I would argue that that was inevitable and we could have done a lot better. And that's part of the problem with this credit versus blame thing is these things are complicated. Let's see. Uh, Neil also emails, uh, did I bump my head or have Democrats gone back to Trump and the Republicans are racist? Uh, should I once again feel ashamed for being a white male. Hey, listen, I, I don't know. What do you mean going back to saying that Trump and Republicans are racist? That's pretty much the, the default rhetorical position for the Democratic Party is anybody who disagrees with them is a dirty, dirty racist. Uh, and that's because identity politics are central to their approach to politics. And so they've got to create an us versus them mentality. They herd their base into groups. And then they say that these people hate these groups, and that's how they, they try to win politically. It's unfortunate. I think it divides the country. I think in a lot of ways, Republicans kind of do the same thing. And I think we'd all be better served if we stopped talking about Americans as though they were a product of the groups they're in and talked about them like they're individuals. You shouldn't be ashamed for being a right white male, Neil, because you're Neil. Anyway, we got to wrap it up. Hour two of the Rob Report. Coming up next. Don't go away. to Rob Report 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM. Happy to be with you. I think we got some pretty good suggestions for bump music so far. I'm going to have to comb through the catalogs of some of these uh, suggested artists, but like what I'm getting so far, if you've got suggestions, uh, we got to update the bump music on the show. So when you got suggestions, things you want to hear. We need the immigrant song on here. The immigrant song? Yeah, the the one the main theme from like the main song that they were using in all of the Thor three, uh, promos and stuff. Oh, uh, is that with the? Uh, I know what you're talking about. Yes, now. yes, you do. I always here. forget just, the name just, of that just one. Here. 
Oh, there it goes. It. Yeah, it's Led Zeppelin. That one. Yeah. I need this yeah. in the rotation. We come from the land of the land, ice and snow. I'm putting it in the rotation right now, and you don't get to stop me. Ha-ha! <laughs> Wait a minute. I have control. All right, I'm fine with it. This is a good song. I like Led Zeppelin. It's good stuff. Ah. <laughs> I feel better now. <laughs> All right. We can do that one. So there's one. If you've got more suggestions for bump music, love to hear them. You can tweet me at Rob Port. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Also, I just saw an article on, on the Fargo Forum. Uh, movies filmed in Minnesota. I had no I had no idea Mallrats was filmed in Minnesota. I did not know that either. I, I think the setting of the movie, like like the movie itself, I think we're supposed to believe is in New Jersey, but apparently it was filmed in um, in Minnesota. I didn't know that. Uh, and apparently it was it was filmed at the Eden Prairie Mall. Um, and, and the reason why they chose that is it had a bunch of vacant stores at the time, thanks to the brand new Mall of America having opened. Is that, jing, is Jingle All the Way on that list? Um, well, now I got to find the list. Oh, darn um, you. And, and by the way, that 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 thing about the Eden Prairie Mall, that that was from Twitter, so I don't think it's fake news, but I mean it sounds plausible to me anyway. That's what a Twitter user said. So, uh, let's see. Let me uh, pull it up. The Mighty Ducks. That is one, one I, filmed yep, that in Minnesota. one I knew. Grumpy Old Men, of course. Uh, Mall Rats, which we just discussed. Discussed Fargo, which we all know. Mm-hmm. Um, Purple Rain. Yep, yep. With Prince. Not surprising because of Prince's involvement. Uh, North Country. I don't know that I've ever seen North Country. I don't Got know Got Charlie's there in it. Sexual harassment and abuse ensue when women begin working at a local iron mine. Oh. Well, I suppose probably up in the Iron Range. Um, it was uh, filmed at uh, Eveleth, Minnesota. Uh, it's got Charlie's Theron in it. I've never seen that one. Uh, let's see. Uh, a Serious Man, filmed in Minneapolis. Uh, young Adult, also Charlie's Theron, uh, filmed in Minneapolis. I Am Not a Serial Killer, filmed in Hibbing, Minneapolis uh, and Virginia. Um, I've seen that movie, I Am Not a Serial Killer. That's actually a pretty good movie. Pretty good uh, books, too, by the way. I'm still not hearing uh, Jingle All the Way on this list. I don't see it in here. It's Jingle not on this All the list. Way was filmed in Minneapolis and St. Paul. It's one of my it's my favorite Christmas movie. Okay, I'm reading the article and uh it's not this is not intended to be a comprehensive list. Well, you yeah. Here are a few of the Minnesota made movies. Oh, okay, a few of. All right, in forum, you win this one. Locations. A few. It's not comprehensive. Jingle All the Way has Arnold Schwarzenegger in it, which is why I love it so much. Is that the one where he has to get the um Yes, he has, the Turbo he has Man to get the toy? The yeah, Turbo and Man then he doll. becomes Turbo Man? Yes. It's so good. I've seen that. That was a dumb movie. I have a Turbo Man t-shirt. It was my Christmas pajamas really? t-shirt. Yeah, it was my 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 housemate and I do Christmas jammies every year. And not this past year, but the year before, I got a Turbo Man shirt for my Christmas pajamas. You were that into that movie. I love it so much. Arnold Schwarzenegger is probably I love him. Just as a person, I think he's a really cool guy, and I think you know he's that, a Republican, right? That's fine. I can like okay. Republicans. I'm just saying. Do you think I don't like you? Well, I don't know. I do like you. Sometimes it's hard to tell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, no, that's fine. I, I'm you know obviously I like a lot of. It would be hard as as a, as a conservative. 
it would be like if if we limited our choices, like in music and uh, actors and authors You'd and whatnot. You'd never be able to watch a movie ever. We'd be able to do anything. They're all liberals. So uh, you know, I think I honestly think that's and and I think that is one way in which conservatives are maybe more tolerant th- than liberals is that we're not. I, I think we're so used to just having to deal with our favorite musicians and everything being, you know, to the left of us politically that, you know, we just we just don't get that bothered. Right. Like I like I see I see Stephen King ranting about politics on Twitter all the time. I'm still buying his next book. I guess it's a great, great storyteller. You know, I, you know, that's just what it is. I just you just learned about it. it's like, all right, whatever. You know, you feel that way. That's fine. I disagree. You're still a great, still a great author. Uh, let's see. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. What do we want to talk about next? You see this Burger King thing on net neutrality? Oh, my God. It was hilarious and super effective. I've got a point to make about that, though. Oh, I'm sure you do. All right. Because net neutrality is the idea that, like, Internet service providers should treat all traffic on their networks equally, Right. Well, last time I checked, pretty sure Burger King sells Coca-Cola exclusively. Why are they denying Pepsi access to their national restaurant infrastructure? Completely different thing. Not completely different. Oh, absolutely. They're Burger King's restaurants. Burger King built the restaurants. Burger King can decide what goes in their restaurants. And nobody has a problem with this. Well, yeah. Because I can choose whether or not I want to eat a burger from Burger King or Mcmcdonald's or Wendy's or Arby's or make one at home or in right. and out and if and if and if and and if your internet service provider is screwing around with your access to content, you could choose another internet service provider yeah of the maybe one or maybe not even then that's the, other the problem one. we need to fix <laughs> then that's the problem we need to fix is competitiveness in the internet service provider market, just as the solution to uh, Burger King selling delicious Coca-Cola instead of disgusting Pepsi uh, is is all about, uh, you know, if, if, if Burger King were the only restaurant you can go to, then uh, the obvious solution is you need more restaurants. You need more competition uh, in the restaurant and, and dining community, not we need to start regulating and forcing Burger King to sell everything. Dustin's got a call. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. Tweet me at Rob Port. Go ahead, Dustin. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, uh, make a comment that I appreciate what you said about uh, Republicans and Democrats grouping people into uh, groups and then firing up this base uh, so they go against that base and, and keep, keeping the people divided. It's, it's the yeah. failure of the two-party system. Yeah, you um, know, and... I mean, I, I, people talk about the two-party system. It's not really a system. Nothing is stopping people from supporting third parties. I, I think the problem is is that because America has such a b- sprawling system of government where we have elected offices, everything from you know the local weed control board and the mayor all the way up to president of the United States, I, I, I think that sort of a sprawling system, which really doesn't exist anywhere else in the world, lends itself to two parties. Because by the time you get a divergent three party, all that's going to a third party, all that's going to do is pull away from one of the, the, the two major parties. I'm not defending it. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying I, I, I think those forces are why we've organized ourselves into two parties. 
Uh, that said, I, I think we absolutely do. We, we play identity politics. We we lump people into groups, and some of it's unavoidable. I mean, sometimes we just I I refer to myself as a conservative, right? And I I, I use that term. It doesn't always fit a hundred percent, but it, it's just a short term, you know, a, a good shorthand for me communicating to you how I see the world, right? I, you know, so that's I, some of it. We just have to use labels. What drives me nuts is you're a woman. Therefore, you know, you have to vote a certain way or you have to believe certain things uh, that that's or, or right. you're 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 a racial minority or, or you're a man or whatever. And so you have to see the world a certain way and vote certain things. I, I think that's offensive and I think it ought to stop. Well, well, just take take uh, uh, the way the dreamers have been treated and immigration as a whole. You go back to the last amnesty and then there was a George Bush tried to uh, get a wall passed, but he didn't attach any funding to it. And then you had uh, Obama take uh, executive action, and these people have just been pawns since the 80s, ping-pong back and forth from the two-party system. And I want to say, Rob, that Saturday at 7 in the morning, I'll be in Grand Forks, and I'll be standing uh, uh, with the Dreamers and, and people that have been ping-ponged since the 80s and, and before, and people that you know have been here for a long time and are contributing. And anyone who wants to stand up, can join us, and then we're going to the regional uh, Grand Forks uh, Dem NPL district conventions, and we're going to demand that at least one oh, political party. See, it does, do but that's, see, but that's the problem: is you just turned it into a partisan event. I was with you. That sounded good about. And, and by the way, uh, President President Trump, I think, just put on the table uh, amnesty for some 1.8 million, not just people who already qualify for the Dreamers program, but people who would qualify for the Dreamers program but haven't applied for it yet, and the Democrats are turning up their nose at it because they don't want to fund the border wall. And and I don't know when the Republican conventions are, but go to those two and and tell them and the Libertarians and somebody stand up for them. The only reason it's Democrat is because that's the one that's going on. And, and I'm standing up to Heidi Heitkamp. You know, someone should stand no, up. No, no, no. Is this is this Dustin? And, is this and Dustin? the Libertarians put up. This, this is Dustin Payer. Now, now you're you're the you're the Democrat challenging Senator Heitkamp for for the nomination. Nonpartisan league aligned. Not, not nonpartisan Democrat. league aligned. Not Democrat. Okay. All right. All right we're uh, trapped within their party right now, but that's another separate issue. All right. Well, thank. Th- th- Thanks for the call. Do you feel? Let me ask you this, Dustin. Do you feel Democrats spend too much time on identity politics? Because it drives me nuts. I, I want to stop thinking of people as uh, you're a black voter or you're a gay voter or you're a female voter or you're a white male voter or whatever. Uh, I, you know, I, I want people to think like that's Dustin, that's Rob, that's Natil, that's whoever. Uh, you're an individual. I, you know, I, I want to stop treating people as, as as members of groups and treating them as individuals. Do you agree with that? Sure, exactly. Uh, yeah, uh, there's there's voters, and, and that's it, you know. And then there's issues. And the, the thing is, is how do you solve them? It, it, and having, right. Okay, so when you get below Senate and you go to these local races, city commissioner, they don't have these and R's and, and Libertarian next to them. It's just that person. And that's maybe what we should do for the state and federal positions as well. We need to throw these parties out, and then you could look at the person and say, okay, this guy actually uh, uh, aligns a little more with my values or, or you know, at least listen or, or whatever, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, some of it's a pipe dream. I mean, some of it is you, you, you have to have 
an organizing mechanism to have meetings and to get people together and to come up with platforms of ideas and then advance those ideas through the various levels of government. I mean, I mean, you just and, and that's a political party. I, I, I just don't know what else. I, I don't know how else to do it in the American system of government the way it's formulated. I got to take a break, though, Dustin. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. Interesting stuff. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Port 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, email talk at WDY.com. We are still taking uh, we are still taking suggestions for bump music, and I got another email with some more. Um Super Drew? <laughs> Super Drew. Super Drew. Anyway, emails in uh goes from the eighties. Uh the first part of the song was worth you. Ants in the kitchen. By Masters of Reality. I can't say I've heard that one. I'm writing it down on the list. All right. Thanks for the suggestion, Super Drew. Appreciate it. 701 Email talk at WDY.com. You can tweet me, too, at Rob Port uh, if, you want, uh, if you want to make more suggestions for uh, bump music. Hey, I wanted to talk, I wrote about this at sayanythingblog.com today. Um, yesterday, I wrote about a report that the legislature got that um, we have started to see some pretty good numbers out of oil and tax revenues. Um, average daily oil production uh, in January was up 29% above forecast. Uh, it has run 20% above forecast by any of to date. The average price per barrel of oil was 13% above forecast in January, uh, although it's still 4% below uh, forecast for the biennium. Uh, oil and gas tax revenue collections were up 36% in January. Uh, they are up 10% or nearly $80 million biennium to date. Now, these numbers are important to keep into, in, in, in mind uh, because since the legislature in 2015 reformed oil, uh, oil taxes, um, you know, basically they, they flattened uh, the oil and, and oil extraction and production taxes to 10%. Uh, it took away a low-price uh, trigger exemption, which essentially would have cut that rate, uh, the, the previous rate, in half. Um, they reformed that, and Democrats since have, have worked very hard to brand that as, as a sort of tax break for big oil. Uh, and, and i got to tell you, it, it's just not the case. And, and as a matter of fact, after I wrote my post today, the headline of which was, let's all be thankful Democrats didn't get their way on North Dakota's oil tax, because if they had, that trigger exemption would have been in place uh, since January of 2016, and the amount of, of oil tax revenue that we collected would have been significantly lower. As a matter of fact, after I wrote that post, um, our guest yesterday, Tax Commissioner Ryan Rauschenberger, he actually texted me and said the state has now crossed the threshold. We have now collected $1 billion dollars in additional revenue than we would have collected under the old oil tax code, we have collected a billion dollars more. Now, what's interesting is that Democrats continue. I mean, they are, and especially since we're coming into an election season, they continue to push this talking point that this was a tax cut for big oil. The truth is, is that from the 
based on the current tax code versus the old tax code, the oil industry has paid a billion dollars more since January of 2016. Now, Natila, I realize they did drop the top rate from 11.5% to 10%. But by getting rid of the exemption, the net impact was the oil industry paying more in taxes. Now, if, if I change the tax code and you end up paying more in taxes, would you believe somebody if they told you it was a tax cut? No, I would not. Because it's not. Now, they're hanging their hat on what they want to say as well. You know, if we had gotten rid of the exemption and left the top rate at 11.5%, we'd be collecting even more in taxes. And because we didn't do that, what we gave was a big fat handout to, to the oil industry. And I don't think that is. When, when you change, when you, when you compare the, the previous tax code was this, the previous law was this, now the law is this, as a result of that change, the industry is paying a billion dollars more. Now maybe, I guess Democrats wanted it to be an even larger tax hike. But that's not the state losing money. I mean, I mean, some Democrats are literally out there claiming that this oil tax reform contributed to the state's budget situation, where we had budget shortfalls. And how can that be true when the state, as a result of these changes, literally, and, and again, I got a, tax, a text message from the tax commissioner earlier today saying that as a result of these changes, we've collected a billion dollars more. I mean, you want to talk about fake news, that's fake news. And I guarantee you, Democrats, because they don't have a lot to run on in North Dakota, they're going to bring this up again, and it's going to be a lie. Every time they bring this up and they deploy this talking point, it's a lie, because the facts are simply other than what they say. All right, we're going to do the rundown. Coming up next, 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Don't go away. The Rob Report. The Rob Report. On 970 WDAY. The Rundown. What's going on, Atiel? All right, we're going to start off with Larry Nasser sexually abused more than 100 girls. That doesn't mean he should be raped in prison. Yeah, the, the judge's comments were, and the whole thing is gross. And Larry Nasser is a monster. Uh, and I'm glad he had to sit through his victims, uh, you know, reading out their statements to him. But what the judge said is is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, she well she she made some comments that were a little bit far and beyond where a, a judge probably should have made said comments. But at the same time, I I can't I can't blame her. I mean, I, if I were in her position, it would have been very difficult for me to not say those types of things either after also having listened to all 100-plus victims' statements. Yeah, because basically, she, what did she say? She said something along the lines of, you know, she referenced the Eighth Amendment, which, her, of course, well, is the her, amendment. Her exact quote was, our Constitution does not allow for cruel and unusual punishment. Right, if it Eighth did, amendment. If it did, I have to say, I might allow what he did to all those beautiful souls these young women in their childhood, I would allow someone or many people to do to him what he did to others. See, but that's eye for an eye stuff. It is. That's not right. I mean, why? Why? I mean, essentially, you're, you want to lower yourself to Larry Nasser's level. You want to become the monster that he is. No, and I don't. I don't think that. I don't think she wants to become that monster either. I just. It's very, very difficult. I I understand 
judge the judge's position. I understand where she was at in that moment where she said that. Similarly, I understand where she, she was. She doesn't get to say that, though. She's a judge. Well. I mean, that is a, that is unprofessional in the extreme. It definitely was for a judge. I'm not disagreeing with you there. I mean, that's not her job to sit up there and editorialize and say, boy, if it weren't for the Eighth Amendment, uh, I'd, I'd line you up to get raped. I mean, my goodness. That, that. Even even absent the Eighth Amendment, that is not what our judicial system aspires to. Larry Nassar is going to get his time in prison, uh, and that's that's what the law allows for, and that's how it should be. I, you know, I, I don't want to live in a society where you know the the uh, the, the the response for something like that is is we're, we're going to go eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. That's ridiculous for her to suggest that is is unprofessional, and frankly, I think she should be sanctioned for saying it. You know, even even if it's understand, I mean, obviously you're dealing with a monster. You're dealing with a disgusting human being. But she shouldn't have said that. We got a caller, John. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, Rob. Let me start off. I have a social security in homeland security. I'm doing my bachelor's right now in homeland security emergency management, and also got a degree in law. Under canon law in the state of Minnesota, okay, there are rules that judges have to go by. Now, if they violate that, they get they can get reported. And they can go to Hennepin County, where they got a board members of, of attorneys that deal with this type of stuff. Okay, now in the state of North Dakota, I helped a friend do the same thing against an attorney up in Hillsboro, and he got away. Right, we're, with we're, it. We're, okay, well, where's this? So okay, I, I, I don't, I don't understand judge, what you're saying, John. What I'm saying is that a judge is like a referee. He hears both sides of the stories. Out of the conclusion, he goes by the rules of the North Dakota Century Code. They cannot make a personal comment when they make that final conclusion. It is by the rule of law, no other way. For her doing that, I agree with you. She was out of bounds for what she had because that was a personal feeling comment is what it was. It's illegal. John, thanks for the call. Um, yeah, I, I guess I can't comment on whether or not it's illegal. I think it's unprofessional and inappropriate and, um, and also I just, just kind of self-indulgent too. I mean, she's up there sort of virtue signaling to the rest of us, you know, how, how, uh, disgusting she felt his behavior was. Well, I, no duh, I, his, his behavior was awful. It's been in the, it's been in the headlines. We all know it. I understand it. It's, it's ugly. It's terrible. It's horrible, but she's a judge. And I don't think she, I saying that it was just, it was unfortunate. I wish she hadn't done it. What's next? Bismarck might be adding a driverless bus to its city fleet in 2019. That's awesome. I think that's so cool. I want to be I on think that it's, bus. I want to, I want to drive to Bismarck just so I can take that bus around town. Wouldn't it be kind of, I feel like they're going to sell a lot of tickets just because people want to ride on it. I, I feel for a while it's well, going to be kind of like, it's going to be a novelty. Great for Bismarck. Like, if it gets yeah. me to drive from Fargo to Bismarck just so I can ride on the driverless bus, they win. Maybe not so good for bus drivers. Well, I don't think they're <laughs> they're not going to be able to get rid of all of them. I mean, because at, at the start, I mean, the the cost of the bus is something like $80,000. And yeah. there's, there's a federal grant that's going to help uh, the Do they the still have to have a driver that. in the bus? Like an operator sitting there? Because I know, I know in a lot of places, like, they, they've been allowing these self-driving, like, semi-trucks. Like, I, I think, was it Nevada? I, I think, because I, I, I think we did a story in the rundown out of Nevada 
where it was self-driving semi-trucks, but they still had like an operator in the truck in case something happened. My assumption would be that would be what's going on with this particular bus as well, because I don't because it's a pilot program. So I don't think that there's any areas right now where inside a city you're dealing with driverless buses that don't have some sort of emergency operator in the in the cab. Yeah, I saw, you know, it's going to be a long ramp up until, you know, you're just seeing cars driving around with nobody driving them. Um, I still think we're still a ways away, but it's just kind of funny. Like, like this is this is like a Jetsons type thing. And now it's becoming reality. I I mean, I I think it's just kind of cool when when a driverless car. I mean, that's uh, you've been seeing it in sci fi movies forever. It's here pretty soon. It's it's here. And, um, you know, it's going to be in Bismarck apparently pretty soon. So that's that's cool. That's exciting. What's next? Fur and fury at 40,000 feet as more people bring animals on planes. This is this. Uh, people are abusing the comfort animal thing. They're they're abusing it big time. And it's it's getting annoying to the detriment of, of people who legitimately need comfort or, or, or service animals or comfort animals. Yeah, because there well there's basically there's two different things happening here. There's the there's service animals which are classified under the Americans with Disabilities Act. That's as, like that's like the seeing eye dogs and stuff. Yep, or hearing uh hearing ear dogs. Sometimes it's right. like a seizure alert dog. There are dogs that have been trained to alert to uh, low blood sugar levels for diabetics. Um and some of them aren't some of them are psychological service animals as well. I mean, you can have a you can have a fully licensed service animal for PTSD or for autism yeah. um, or for a dissociative disorder. There, there are those types of service dogs as well. But those dogs have gone through training. They're certified. And that's, that's one type of service animal that's being talked about. The other is what's known as an emotional support animal. Now, emotional support animals don't have to go through any of that type of rigorous training. And you can't just bring an emotional support animal into you know, your local target or something like that. What emotional support animals do, which is really great, is that they allow you to have that companion animal um, and not be discriminated against when it comes to things like housing. In the state of North Dakota, for example, it is illegal to deny someone housing, um, even even at a rental property, if they have a letter written from their doctor declaring that they, as part of their treatment program, they need an emotional support animal. I read something, and, and there was there was legislation, and I don't, I don't know where it got, but there was legislation in Bismarck, I think this last session, to take a look at some of this, because there are organ, and I was, I, in fact, I even read an article in The Atlantic about it, and there are organizations that are really just like private organizations. They don't like have any official government sanction or whatever, that you can get a registration for a comfort animal that you can, I guess, wave around in the grocery store or or wave around in in you know when you're getting on an airplane to let you bring your pet on, and it's not really based on any sort of a, a doctor's evaluation or anything like that. And and a lot of people have been using them, and I think that's the sort of thing we need to crack down on because we're getting carried away. I mean, I was I, I had I went to dinner with somebody on a professional level, showed up with his giant smelly bulldog. Uh, and then we go into the restaurant, and he has an argument with the rest. I was so embarrassed I wanted to leave. He had an argument with, with the, the guy in the restaurant about his dog being allowed 
uh, the restaurant knuckled under, probably because they're afraid of getting sued. And meanwhile, this dog's running all over the restaurant, being a pain. I was, I was so mortified I wanted to leave. I didn't. Maybe I should have, but... See, people abuse it. People abuse it, and we've got to we got to find a happy medium. We, we got to find a balance to this. They absolutely do abuse it. I have an emotional support animal. My dog is classified as an emotional right. support animal. I didn't know that. Yep, Antilles is is an ESA. I would never bring him into a store. I would never bring him into a restaurant. The reason that yeah. I have him classified as an emotional support animal is because he's a very important part of of my life and my treatment and i need him you know in my everyday yeah. life so i have the i have the letters so that when i you know go rent a new apartment or something like that they can't say well you have to get rid of the dog or you can't rent from us and that's yeah. that's what that is he's not trained to handle situations like restaurants or stores or yeah. large crowds or well, things I'm- like that I'm, I'm remembering more about the legislation that was at Bismarck. And again, I, I don't know what the disposition of that is. I, I don't know how that came out. But I remember it was rep, it was introduced by Representative Scott Lauser. He's a Republican from Minot. And he works in the real estate industry. And he says it's a big problem, people getting these phony baloney um, certifications or whatever, that they're just buying off the Internet to get around no pet policies at at rental places because now the landlords are afraid that they're going to get sued or something uh and really it's it's baloney so we, we've got to we've got to find a happy medium here and and the people who are doing it just so they, they could take their pets on the plane or whatever i've flown with somebody and a, and a, I, I tell you a three-hour flight with a barking dog is miserable yeah i would, I would never miserable. want to take antilles on a plane i think that i think well one i think it would be traumatic for him and i don't want to put him through that but that's that's just that's not what he's for, and so people that people that actually understand what an what an ESA is and what makes an an ESA different from a a service dog, people like people like that are the ones that are getting hurt in the end here. Yeah. All right. What's next? We're gonna finish it off with three teens charged with intentionally exposing a fellow student to pineapple despite allergy. Oh. This actually right, so- this actually gets me upset. Well, yeah, somebody's got a got an allergy, and you're purposely expo- exposing them to the thing they're allergic to. That's horrible. Yes, and well, the and what's ridiculous is that the parents and this this girl's uh, attorney are saying that it it's no big deal. It was just a prank. Food allergies I don't are know. food allergies are serious business. Okay, so the the story is um, that in Butler Township, Butler Intermediate High School, there is a a student, a, a girl who has a severe pineapple allergy to the point where the cafeteria in that school no longer serves pineapple okay. because so her it's, allergy, it's a big deal because so her allergy just, is that severe. It's not just I'll get a rash or something. It's, it's she, clearly she, more severe than yes, that. Yes, she has a severe pineapple allergy to the point where the school knows and they don't serve that food item in their cafeteria any longer. A girl... And apparently two of her friends decided to bring pineapple in a packed lunch to school. And then one of the girls rubbed her hands all over the pineapple and gave the allergic girl a high five. Yikes. And while um, while the she what happened well what happened to the girl? Like what was what was the impact of that? She ended up being okay. They got her to um they got her to a hospital and got her treatment and things like that, and she's okay. And the 
the daughter, the the girl who was allergic, her parents are saying that, you know, this this is criminal activity. The girl's parents, the girl whose parents. They're um, saying kids will be kids. Yeah, our kids will be yeah. kids. This is the, the exact quote from the parent of the girl that did the high-fiving with the pineapple just makes me want to choke. The pineapple was not illegally brought in. It's not a weapon. It's not so, any of those right. things. It's a fruit. Well, cup. it's a weapon. It's a weapon to somebody who is horribly allergic to it. And, and he right? says, and he says, and how can you intentionally and knowingly kill somebody with a fruit cup? I don't think adults right. could make that decision, let alone fourteen-year-olds. Well, if the fourteen-year-olds know how allergic the girl is, then you know they knowingly did it and they did it with intent and and that that i think rises to the level of crime here's the thing generally i'm in the kids will be kids camp um teenagers make fantastically stupid decisions oh, absolutely. kids make make hugely stupid decisions and i'm not necessarily in favor of i i don't like this trend towards you know charging kids as adults i i think we need to be very careful with that because kids do stupid things and could grow out of it and I'm not in favor of ruining a thir- the rest of a 13-year-old or a 14 or 15, 16-year-old's life because of something fantastically stupid they did when they were kids. That being said, this was calculated. This was malicious. This was calculated. Um, they knew she you know, was they, 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 they had to plan this. They had to pl- I mean, this wasn't like, like a spur of the moment. Ha ha, wouldn't it be funny? I throw some pineapple juice on her. This was, oh, she's allergic to pineapples. Let's sneak a pineapple in. Let's rub it on my hand. Let's give her a high five. Like, that's planning. That's, you know, little sociopaths. Gross. <laughs> Seriously. All right, let's wrap it up. You're listening to AM 970 WDAY 93.1 FM. This is the Rob Report. And that's the Rundown. Welcome back, Rapport 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM. Not much time left in this segment. Jay Thomas show coming up straight ahead. On a Monday, we're going to talk. There was an article in National Review about um, Medicaid dollars and home health care workers. Really interesting story. We're going to be have the uh, the author of that piece on Monday, so stay tuned for that. Uh, in the meantime, I think I'm going to go to a movie tonight, Teal. I think it's a movie night for me tonight. What you going to go see? I'm looking at that Hostiles. I think that looks really good. Yeah, I've seen uh, I've seen a lot of uh, the previews for that, and it does look pretty good. Yeah, it's um, I, I'm interested in it. Uh, it's it's it, it's a story. It's got Christian Bale in it. It's about an army captain um, who uh, is escorting a uh, a dying Cheyenne war chief. Uh, and his family back to tribal lands, uh, and it's—I I don't know—it's—it's it's interesting. It's, it's sort of it, set it, it in that really like good. sort of Wild West times. There, there's lots of horsebacks right. and carriages and things like that. Yeah, and, and the Great Plains, which you know, obviously, I, I don't know if this—I don't know if they're in Dakota Territory at all. It's the Cheyenne, which makes me think that's south of us. Um, oh, it's Montana. All right, but it's our part of the country, which I think is always fun. Um, you know, obviously that that era of history and, and the interactions between the Native American communities um, and the U.S. government were, were very much a part of our state's history. So I'm always interested in that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, it looks good. I think I'm going to go to that with my movie pass. I still need I to still get love. that. I really do need to get on that. It's, it's on my so list. Good. 
you got to get on it before they run out of money and they stop doing it. <laughs> Although I, I've been hearing they, um, I guess they announced that they're actually like like Movie Pass is investing in in some of the movies now because they're saying that that because they have changed the price dynamic of tickets, people are more willing to try movies in the theater outside of of maybe the traditional blockbuster. You know, they're, they're willing to take some flyers on some independence and certainly that's been my way i mean now that i get you know i could watch one movie a day uh you know i'm i I don't mind taking a flyer on a movie so now they're investing i don't know it's it the the economics of that i find endlessly fascinating i hope it works i hope it works i'd rather i hope it does too i'd rather go see a ton of movies than go see i think if it works i think if it works it can revive movies in theaters and that's a good thing because i love watching movies in theaters all right that's it for me jay thomas show straight ahead you can always catch me here 12 to 2 p.m monday through friday or of course 24 hours a day seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com thanks for listening we'll talk again